Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. And Rob, we got a special guest with us today. Yes, we do. We have Mr. David Van Dyke, who's with Bridge Ratings. He's been spending a lot of time uh, looking at podcasting, but he's a longtime radio guy. He's been involved in the radio industry for many years. Actually, he's been a guest on this show before, so we just wanted to have him on again, get a little bit of a refresh on uh, what's happening and what he's seeing in the market, and and I, I think talk a little bit about podcast listeners. I think that's uh, that's that's a topic that we always like to talk about because that's the key driver of this whole thing, right? Um, so, David, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be. All, All right. ships at sea. Oh, you almost <laughs> sound like uh, Dave. I have to ask. Do you Don't. do you listen to No Agenda? Uh, I have in the past. Oh, because that sounded kind of familiar there for a second. <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh, we've got a, was that something they say? Yeah, in the morning to you. So anyway, yeah, that is something they say. So uh, hilarious. But uh, anyway, good morning and welcome everyone to the show. And uh, we've got a great, uh, great lineup for you today and uh, lots, lots to talk about. So. Um, obviously the big, big event of the week was, uh, the infinite dial report that came out. Um, I didn't get to watch it live, but I, I did get to, uh, take a peek uh, this morning at the numbers and I wasn't, uh, well, yeah, I'm, 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 it's kind of trending where I thought it was be, would be trending. So upticks across the space, but <laughs> Facebook took a hit. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I'm not surprised. I mean, there's been a lot of concern about Facebook, you know, uh, from a lot of different perspectives. And it's uh, it's not as cool to the younger generation anymore either, you know, which is probably a big driver of that. Yeah. And we're also seeing um, ever since uh, a year ago or more, uh, we've been seeing more and more people getting fatigued because of uh, all the negativity. Um and maybe it's the same yeah. for you folks, but I know that there are some friends of mine on Facebook that I've been sort of surprised with in terms of their negative comments, be them political or otherwise. Uh, yeah. And it has uh, sharply reduced my desire to get online. So that with, uh, I believe, uh, some changes in the algorithms. I don't know if you mm -hmm. guys have been experiencing this or not, but uh, I've been getting a lot of complaints, right. not only in our own research, but in just personal anecdotal comments about people who are not seeing many of their friends anymore. What's they saying? About 25 of their friends seem to be rotating consistently. So um, yeah. I think these are all contributing. Yeah, and I think uh, for me, I would, on a, <clears throat> how should we call it? A, not an unfollow, but a put you on the back burner spree for a while because yeah it, it got pretty pretty crazy on facebook but you know all i see in my facebook feed these days besides maybe four or five of my friends is everything's podcasting it's podcasting podcasting because i you know i'm in all I'm the, the same way podcasting God, forums it just yeah. and i have to go look like i don't even see what my mom posts i have to go look at my mom and sister's profile directly to even know what they're you know what's going on Exactly. I think we're being focused into a very narrow niche of uh, consumption of content, and I think it's it's not a good trend. I, I don't think. I think we all need some diversity in our content consumption to be balanced human beings. Uh, and unfortunately, <laughs> Facebook is kind of pushing us towards narrowing our focus. Well, luckily, do you, you think that's? Yeah. Go ahead. 
I'm sorry. Do you think that's intentional or just a function of, uh, you know, their algorithms or, I mean, I'm not sure why they would do that if that was intentional. I think their algorithms are broke. Go ahead, Rob. There's probably um, some, some metrics that they have that shows that people engage in content that they have deep, deep desires to connect with. It's, it's an engagement thing. Um, and people, you know, people, you know, both Todd and I were good examples of it. Todd and I are all in on the podcasting space and Facebook is, uh, sensing that and thinking somewhat erroneously that that's the only thing we have an interest in. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's, you know, it's, but I think it's a bigger trend. You know, we see a lot of people that are, you know, I, I think we've all done this, you know, I'm a, I'm a big geek. So I listen to a lot of tech shows, you know, I kind of weigh that way. And of course I listen to a lot of podcasts as well, but uh, you know, I'm a unique beast and different in the space. I, you know, I listen to a hundred different shows every two weeks. So it's, uh, but it's part of me being in the business. I'm not a normal listener. Yeah. 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 So, and I, and I think if you go through the rest of the infinite dial and look at the, the information here, um, you know, there's, you know, I think I'd like the, the ups, the upswing a little bit more on, you know, audience size. Uh, you know, I think they said, they think we're about 73 million monthly. Um, I, you know, I just, I just feel it's bigger than that based upon, you know, everything we see, but, uh, you know, this is the result of their survey data, but time will tell. I, you know, what, what do you think, Rob? Do you think the audience monthly audience size is bigger than that? Well, it could be. I think it depends on how they're asking these questions of their um, participant and what's what's the definition of a podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought that the numbers were really interesting around um, monthly podcast listening as it relates to demographic groups uh, or age groups. Um, and I think it really follows, Todd, I think with what we saw at PodCon. Um, you know, the younger generation is engaging in this medium more than we've seen in the past. And that that the, this research shows that it showed a 3% growth in the 12 to 24 demo, uh, and only a 1% growth in the 25 to 54 demo. Uh, so, you know, there's definitely an uptick in consumption in with the younger generation. And I think it has a lot to do with the, there's also been a growth in the content side too, um, that caters to that, um, that age group. So, yeah. Well, you know, and, and also as I've gotten to think about this, you know, I was, I had, Personally, I had big doubts that this 12 to 24 age group was listening to podcasts. I still have some reservations on how big that audience really is. But if I try to think it through a little more rationally, because this is just, you know, me thinking about that and based on the content and everything, you know, what I I have kids that are 14 or 14 to 21. And I have a, I have a 28 year old that just, gotten married but the younger ones you know if i look at what they're doing they're just jacked in you know they're 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 jacked into their smartphones it's it's that's and and on youtube or whatever they are not they're not uh they're consuming media completely different you know my daughter watches netflix on her on her laptop i mean she considers that her tv you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it, it's, it's, it's just different. They're, they're digitally connected. They're not like us. And the radio turn that thing off. I get in my car after they've drove my car. And if I've had it on anything but Bluetooth, 
it's back at Bluetooth. They don't listen to radio. You know, they don't, yeah. that AM, FM stuff they don't care about. So Why like, would they? They want to listen to what they want to listen right. to, not what they're programmed. Right. right. So it, it makes sense that they're leaning towards the, in towards the the genre and getting more content. You can only listen to music so long, I guess. Maybe maybe they're starting to tune in and get educated. I don't know. Davey, you know, where do you weigh in on that? No, these are good points. And the uh, demise of uh, traditional radio time spent listening is being accelerated with uh, what you've just said. Uh, primarily uh, the issue of the fact that it used to be music uh, online streaming, Pandora, etc., that was contributing to uh, the demise of uh, of what radio considers to be its lifeblood, and that is uh, how much time people spend with the uh, the medium at any given uh, listening occasion. It's been dropping significantly, especially in the last um, five to eight years. Um, the reach of uh, traditional radio remains at about ninety percent. So, I mean, even among uh, the mm-hmm. people that we're talking about, the young folks, uh, they they claim, at least based on Nielsen data, uh, that um, you know eighty percent of those folks listen to uh, radio at least once a week. And and based on what you just said, Rob, um, I'm not sure that that's uh, a reliable figure, uh, but it does come from um, not just word of mouth, but uh, actually uh, the devices that Nielsen uses to track people. But mm-hmm. again, in markets. Uh, Nielsen uses these devices uh, to track people's radio listening, and they may use 2,000 of these panelists, if you will, with these devices that monitor their radio listening. That's it to reflect a population of uh, millions. So so there's a problem there. But my point is is that with the addition of podcasts, uh, it has accelerated this decrease in time spent with radio, and I think these are – uh, a one-two punch that radio is going to, I don't think, be able to recover from. Uh, and it's becoming much more of a 45, 50-plus uh, type of uh, technology these days. Mm-hmm. But if I if I also think about this, though, you know, I've been in the podcasting space a long time. I've been in now for, um, well, this will be 14, 14 years. 14 years. Yeah. And if you think about that, I still... And I'll turn 54 in June. So I started listening to podcasts when I was 40. So I know we had a heavy demographic of 40 to 55, heavy, heavy, heavy podcast demographic in the early days. In fact, it trended uh, uh, older. Yeah. 35 yeah. to 55 was the king space. So what's happening? You know, if you think about that now, so I'm, I'm now approaching 54. And if people were that were starting listening to podcasts same time I did, 14 years ago, those folks are now, and if they were 55, they're 70. So I think it's, you know, we're, we're moving the, you know, those listeners are moving into different age brackets. So I still think that podcasting and digital media is going to have effect on radio, even in that older age group. Now they may still, you know, until they retire, they may still turn on morning drive as they're going in and want to know the, the, the drive report, but I, the first thing I do when I get in my car, take my kid to school in the morning, is I lose I lose ways, and it tells me what the traffic is. I don't need some some jock to say, hey, the the four hundred five is blocked at the eighteen with the you know my ways app tells me what's going on. So, 
Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's totally a generational shift that we're seeing here. I mean, you, I mean, even the 12 to 24, I think that the numbers probably weigh heavier towards the 24 end than the 12 end clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and yeah. the, the 55 plus, uh, if you look at those numbers, uh, those are pretty, pretty low numbers. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that those numbers aren't, aren't a little higher. Um, honestly. Yeah. Did they, did they list the breakout of how many, cause you, when they're doing a random survey, they just get, you know, I wonder if, if it, uh, they ended up with a batch of, you just never know. You never know the batch on maybe Tom will weigh in here soon. If he'll, he'll see that we're chatting about this, maybe he'll weigh in and tell us how they figure out how to get an equal spread of age groups for their survey stuff. But well, yeah. they're, they're they're a very uh, honorable uh, company. Oh, oh I, I know. Think that as he as he says, uh, you know, in his podcast, I mean, in his presentation, that this is a representative sample, meaning that whatever percentages, uh, age group wise, there are of the U.S., mm. uh, they they felt they needed to match that. Oh, and, so that's how so, they do that. Yeah. Okay, okay, so they do match the age group. That's cool. I didn't know how that process worked. So, but I you know, I still think the older group is in here. We'll see. We'll see over time where they go. Well, let's think about this for a second. Based on what you just said, Todd, um, as as recently as 10, 14 years ago, um, older folks were uh, this a significant part of the listening um, for podcasting. Mm-hmm. And in just the last 10 years, it has exploded on the younger end. How did these folks discover podcasts? It had to do with word of mouth and some other, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just press about podcasting, I think generally yep. has increased awareness among the younger end to the point where they felt that they, uh, they could be more experimental. And I think the advent of, pot, of smartphones also penetrating this demographic has helped. And I think too, as we're starting, as Rob and I saw at PodCon in Seattle, we be honest with you, Dave, uh, Rob and I walked away from that our minds were blown. We had not seen, uh, what would that we call it? A category, a category of yeah. creator. It was a brand new category of creator. We had never been exposed to true storytellers. Uh, these weren't folks that were worrying about doing a business show or a tech show or a science show. These were, they, they were storyboarding out podcast stuff. It was, it was, it blew my mind. So yeah, it's almost like well, this, no this combination of like Comic-Con uh, and podcasting together, which Comic-Con as an event, you know, it's that creative class. It's the young creatives is what we're talking about here, um, have always gone to Comic-Con and they've, you know, this cosplay thing that they do and, and how they connect with characters and how they connect with stories uh, is, is shifting over to podcasting. Yep. And I, and the feeling that I got at PodCon was is that the, that generation doesn't feel safe on Facebook anymore. Doesn't trust Facebook. Doesn't uh, really want to engage over there as much. And they they feel like they can control their experience more in podcasting. So they're taking their creative energies over to a medium that they feel safer um, participating in. If we look, I think at, that's what's driving it. If we look at this slide, so. 12 to 24 is at 30 percent, 25 to 54 at 32, and 55 plus at 13. You know, and be honest with you, the 55 plus at 13, oh, yeah, not. I know. So, yeah. I I can I would say plus or minus seven on that. 
Yeah. I think it's a little higher. I think it's a little higher. Yeah, I would think close. But, you know, if we add this up, 30, 64, 76. So there is some uh, groups missing there. But, um, well, really not. But the percentage is a little weird. But anyway, it is it is what it is. But uh, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I've said that in the past. And his it, their surveys have trended where they're where the older folks have not been, uh, well, there hasn't been as well represent, representation and as younger demographic has trended higher than what I thought it was. But again, I'm just, you know, I, I haven't pulled my data lately, so I'm, I'm kind of going by gut here. I'm just going to take it on face value as true. So if it is true that the 55 and above group is tuning out, that's kind of scary to me. We show, we show the older group being a little bit more close to 20%. Yeah, I, I I would personally I would think that's about where it's at. You know, if if I was to just do a wag and hold my thumb up to the air and you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, Dave, what are you know? I know you guys have been doing some stuff. What are what are you seeing? You know, what's your hypothesis or what are you seeing trends wise or what what are you seeing over there? Well, the first thing I wanted to throw back at you folks is this discussion uh, that we've been having here at Bridge Ratings about listening occasions to podcasts. Uh, this this ties directly to the number of podcasts that are uh, being offered and the number of podcasts that people are actually consuming mm. each week. Um, and according to uh, Edison uh, Infinite Dial, that number averages around seven a week uh, average. Uh, there are those who listen uh, significantly to – there's a significant percentage of folks who listen to more than seven a week. Uh, that's mind-blowing to me. But the point I'm trying to make is because of all of these available podcasts and the interests that especially the younger listeners have in this kind of uh, information, um, what we're seeing is a trend towards multiple occasions of listening. Meaning, uh, while there's a significant number of people who uh, listen all the way through uh, at in one occasion, we're seeing a more of more likely to be two or three occasions where they'll listen to a podcast that is longer than thirty minutes. So, I was curious to find out your reaction or or feedback about uh, for a, from a podcaster's perspective that if that's the case more frequency of occasions where people will, in, a, in terms of sessions, how many sessions they spend listening to an individual podcast, uh, how would you suggest podcasters react to that, knowing that there are, uh, there are those folks who are going to spend one or you know, two or three sessions listening to a podcast? So are you saying to a single episode, or they listen to two or three episodes at one, one shot? What I'm saying is a single episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, if it's a longer show, I think that this has been going on for years and years where people will listen to it to a point and then they'll come back and resume it. And you can also draw this correlation to commute times too. I think the average commute time in the U.S. is like 25 minutes one way. Um, and if you add those up, that's about 50 minutes, right? And and if you look at the most popular shows in podcasting, they're in the 40 to 50 range as far as duration. Um, so I'm not saying that that's an ideal length or I'm not making any recommendation that, you know, everybody needs to go out and make a 50 minute podcast. But, uh, but if you look just purely at the, at the, uh, time spent in the car, I think you can see where there would be potentially 
at least two sessions listening to, you know, a 50 minute episode. You know, there's some data that we've, we pull for our corporate clients that I've never looked at the separation of time. So for example, uh, let's say you've got a 45 minute ESPN program. And uh, if, if the average commute is 22 minutes or something like that, you would assume that they would listen to, you know, whatever that show was for the first 22 minutes, walk into their work and maybe resume that at maybe the, yeah. or pick it back up when they're on the way home. So we, we're able to take and look over a 24 hour period and say, okay, you know, that, that episode, they came back and we stitch it back together, but I don't think we've ever done a metric where I've said eight hours separated the time from where clip one and clip two, where clip one left off and clip two resumed. That'd be a good, that'd be a good exercise. But, um, one thing we do know, and based even on the Apple data, regardless of length, um, just it really, really looks like that a high percentage, a very, very high percentage of shows are getting to the uh, 80 to 95 percent listen, um, listen spot. Now, I'll tell you, when you, as soon as the listener sniffs that you're done, they're gone. So that there is this, uh, you know, they make people make to 96, 97 and then boom, there's this, you know, it, there's definitely a, a it falls off the cliff. And I think we kind of all have known that for many, many years. But if they're listening over a couple of sessions, which you would think they would, most would. But I, I don't know. I When I start a show, well, except for one that's maybe three hours long, um, I, because I walk out of my car and I've got my earbuds in, I switch to earbuds and I don't even miss a beat. But um, not everyone can do that. You know, they're walking in the office, they have interaction with them their coworkers and so forth. So they can't concentrate. So I think yeah, less than, less than 20% of the people in our studies have shown that they, they can listen at work. Mm. I don't see how most people can listen at work and interact with what they have to do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Because it's not like you're listening to top 40 in the background over the speaker in the office. You're listening. You, when you're listening to podcasts, it's, you know, you're here and, you know, you're really listening in me. So you, your concentration level is not as high. I bet you music shows though, do better during work days than, than, uh, than commentary shows. Yeah. And as Rob knows, listening at work is, is a, is a high priority for radio stations because of what you just said. And, uh, as far as, uh, as far as listening at work is, it's just a very difficult thing. And advertisers do like what you just mentioned, Todd. Uh, the fact that most people are engaged, uh, face forward or lean in, if you will, mm-hmm. to to podcasts, uh, it, they get much better reaction response uh, to advertising, and that's why you're seeing that whole space increase. Yeah, I think we've uh, known about the engagement since about uh, May of '05. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's taken forever. We we should be have a lot more ad revenue than we have right now, and we should be at a billion dollars. But I'll take what we can get. <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, I think you'll see that uh, it exploded last year. I think that was last year was a turning point in terms of advertising dollars. We'll see another I think large year this year, uh, especially with uh, the fact that Apple 
has provided some interesting uh, metrics uh, to confirm uh, some suppositions that advertisers had been looking for. So I think you're going to see another big growth here this year and next year. There's not as much roll down happening as I thought there would, though. So the smaller shows are not getting as much take up as I would expect it to have been a little bigger. Now, there is some roll down that's happening finally. In other words, the second tier level of shows are are starting to see more deals, but it's not on the mass. You know, I I think we need to double to completely, you know, if we double, if we go to $500 million in ad revenue, then the second tier is going to be full as the first tier is. But we need uh, that additional, you know, $200 million to come into the space. Do you really think that there's going to be this trickle down to the second tier? Oh, yeah. When uh, when advertisers are seeking uh, perhaps not a vast mass audience, but they are still seeking a lot of eyeballs and ears. The, f- the first tier is full. There are shows you that are now that are the biggest shows in podcasting. You can't get in for a year. Their ad, their ad stack is full. I mean, full to the point where they're now like, becoming like TV and stuffing as many as five or six ads in a show. You know, that's how full yeah. those top tier shows are. And it, to the point of annoyance by the listeners. So it, it, yeah. it has, it has to trickle down or Gimlet and, you know, all these other companies, Panaply that are making content are going to have to bust out, uh, you know, a hundred new shows that are doing 200,000 listeners a episode, you know, that they're going to have to grow some shows quickly to keep up if the if the ad dollars keep increasing. Yeah, I mean, if you th- yeah, I mean, Todd, I agree. I mean, that that's going to be a challenge for any company to to be able to manufacture hits like that at that kind of rate. So the the only other thing that I can see, um, you know, driving this, and I'm not sure that the advertising community really understands this yet, um, but I think that that second level tier of shows is what I like to call un duplicated audience which means that you buy across a large group of shows you're actually gonna gonna reach different people in each of those shows so it isn't like buying across 100 shows you're buying across the same audience so you can scale i think much bigger in your ad buys if you get into some smaller shows a a larger number of shows and i have years and years of historical data that shows that smaller shows perform better than the big shows because the audience is talk, more intimate. When, when you're talking small shows, are you? Can you quantify what you mean by that? Five to five thousand to fifty thousand listeners per well, episode. Still, you know, eighty-five percent of the dollars being spent on podcast advertising is being spent on fifteen percent of the podcast. Oh, we we know that. Well, we we know that the top tier is getting the majority of the ad dollars right now. But again, you know, I have shows that media buyers call me and say, I want in this show. I said, sorry, it, you, there's no inventory. And what do you mean? There's no inventory. I said, you want to put your ad buy in? We'll do an ad buy for one year from today, you know, or, or quarter, you know, quarter two of, of 19, you know, and they raise your rate. Well, we have raised the rates, but uh, those big shows are still full. So not every big show's full, but those that are performing are, and they're making money hand over fist. So, well, until the, until the advertising community sort of appreciates what you said, Rob, in terms of expanding, uh, horizontally their reach, um, 
I think that we'll still continue to see this. I hope this does, what you've just said, Todd, I hope this doesn't slow growth in terms of advertising. Well, David, what, and here's the kind of the funny thing, and this is the being around this space a long time. This is the way it was. In the early days, there were no big shows. So advertisers had to buy wide. We'd put four or 500 shows on a single advertising buy, and it would be $40,000, you know, for a quarter or $50,000 for a quarter. And that, you know, that was a type of money they were spending across that many shows. So the shows weren't making a lot of money each, but the, the buys were decent. And then when the big shows came, that money rolled up into that new tier, into that top tier of top shows. And for four or five years, the that second tier shows were largely abandoned. Now, this show still got deals and, you know, there's podcasters still making independent buys and there's still, you know, a, a one-off here and there that comes in and adds 20, 30 shows to a, a campaign. But, um, you know, the the media buyers, have those folks are now in management, <laughs> but they, they were doing those deals on those small buys. But, uh you know, it's sexy to be in a big show. It's not sexy to be in 400 little shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You to tell but I think, that, go ahead, I mean, Todd, I mean you, you've also said too that one of the big challenges is if we're going to hit um, a billion dollars in revenue or even 500 million, yep. we got to have more inventory. More inventory. Right? Plenty. And if, and, and there's only what, maybe 200, 300,000 shows in the whole podcasting space that are active today. There's, we have um, 500,000 shows in the blueberry show. directory, but, but tops, but 200 tops, yeah. 200,000 are active tops. Yeah. So you start thinking about how, how you split up that mm -hmm. total number of shows across a billion dollars in revenue. And yep. what do you have to have? Yeah. And, and, and 150,000 of those shows are probably relatively small shows. You know, there's, you know, and, and those of you that are listening, please, you know, when we talk about small shows, I, I want to put some perspective here for you. And I, I tell this often, if you Smaller. are, if you are, think about where you work, where you go to your nine to five and think about your boss or your boss's boss, how many people they reach. If you're reaching a thousand people with your show, you're probably having more impact on people than your boss or your boss's boss, you know, depending on the type of organization you work in, you're, you're having more engagement and more reach. So when people come, Oh, I got 1200 listeners. I'm like, only, you know, put 1200 people in a room, you know, and see what that looks like. That's you know? intimidating. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. really intimidating, you know, and then you get three, four, 5,000 listeners. And then, then you don't need a room anymore. You need an auditorium. So, you know, that that's the, you got to visualize the size, those, you know, those bodies. And then when you get into the stratosphere of 140, 150,000, then you're talking about two football stadiums, you know, that type of, you know, you get to think about the scale of the type of people, the, the number of people you're reaching. So when people say they have small shows, I'm like, you know, really think about that for a second. Yeah. And the other, and the idea from an advertiser's perspective is, uh, you know, the the uh, leading edge of advertisers who are faced with this issue of not being able to access some of the more popular shows or populous shows uh, understand that uh, you know becoming more focused on audience uh, 
generationally is uh, is an interesting way to uh, expand uh, their their budgets. Um, for example, we're hearing uh, while there might be uh, we can we see twenty percent of um, people fifty five and older are consuming podcasts on a monthly basis. That's a lot of people, and uh, just like traditional radio advertisers seem to disregard that um, that age group as being um, not as interesting to advertise to. Uh, I'm not sure why, and and uh, and Rob, you might have your philosophy about that. There's a lot of expendable income there. However, uh, from a podcasting perspective, there's an opportunity for podcasters to uh, produce programming that's generationally appealing. Uh, whether you're talking about 55 and older or millennials or what have you. But uh, the focus uh, and getting 1,000 people or 2,000 people in a, in a particular generation or, or life group uh, can be very powerful for an advertiser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if they've been uh, filtered down to a, a specific kind of niche interest group too, uh, which also helps uh, that advertiser target their message if they're that, that sophisticated. Well, you look at just the, the revenue, how much they're earning. They're at the top of their game as far as how much money they're going to make, you know, and uh, the, the amount of expendable income is dramatically different. They haven't reached the time where they're thinking about, okay, do I need to throttle back on my spending because I'm, I'm not 65 yet or I'm not 67. I haven't taken Social Security in. So the expendable income is really higher in that 55 plus group. One thing that I've noticed though, and this is a new, a really a new thing. And um, talks I'm having with, uh, with media buyers. And I'm literally, this has never, ever been a discussion point. No left, no, no, no left of center, no right of center shows. We only want shows down the middle. I'm like, What? Meaning they don't, what? <laughs> they don't. They, okay, they want neutral shows. They if you have a if you're a left leaning if you if you're if you're left hard left if you're right or hard right uh 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 they they're looking they want this middle of this I'm thinking oh my god how are we gonna do this because everyone has an opinion so it used to be no cussing that isn't even part of my discussion half the time anymore with media buyers even though sometimes it's a hard requirement but. Yeah, I'm getting media buyers saying, I don't want anything hard right. I don't want anything hard left. Because what the, the advertisers are saying is this political discussions is hurting business when we're advertising on a left or a right show. So they said, I want neutral shows. So if you got a neutral show, <laughs> if you're doing and you aren't and you're not putting your political views right or left, you are probably going to start seeing an increase in ad dollars spent because they're becoming risk adverse to political shows. I like, is there Whoa. anybody who's neutral anymore? Don't talk politics is all you have to do, Todd. Yeah. Don't right. talk politics. <laughs> not but, even a hint well you know and basically the the you know the 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 one down the middle and i'm just like down the middle podcasters are like the most opinionated people in the, and some do a good job of you know i don't talk my politics on the show but if people listen long enough they kind of get an idea the topics i and I, i'm more of a topic basher you know and and, a, and i don't necessarily say one thing or the other, but I have specific topics I go after. So people will figure it out over time, but it's, 
it's not like I lay it out there. So it, it is what it is. But yeah, it's like we want we want shows that are, you know, and, and down the middle and a not basically very light right or left and nothing on the on the edges. No way, no how. And I'm like, whoa. If you're doing a podcast on gardening, how are you being controversial? <laughs> well, that's the point. Podcasters right? talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all right. Left leaning so other- gardening show. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that would be interesting. Another thing we're seeing uh beginning to happen on the part of podcasters and not not uh, all of them uh most of them are not capable of doing this or at least they think so uh because it's it's getting a bit more sophisticated now. Um and then I'm talking about uh somehow researching their audiences. Mm. And uh, again, if you have uh, a thousand followers or a thousand folks who download, um, there's a, there are ways, uh, inexpensive or free ways for you to find out what types of things they're interested in hearing about the topic that you're specializing in as a podcaster. Um, has this comment or, or discussion uh, entered you, uh, either of your spheres of influence? Well, you know, I always recommend podcasters run an annual demographic survey and or at the most 18 months. You know, you need to keep track of what's going on. And it's and it's the basic demographic. You know, are you married? Do you have kids? Uh, You know, are you working? Uh, Do you have a college degree? You know, the basic like 13 or 14 questions that gives you that baseline. But, you know, once I would hope, Dave, that most podcasters are getting a feedback from their audience that they know who their audience is. Um, it may take some time to develop that because even when I was doing my show in the early days, I had some preconceptions of who was listening and then in just get an email from someone. I was like, Whoa, you know? So I, I don't know if the demographic surveys do the entire job there, Rob. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think it's important to, to do that, especially if you're an advertising show to, to do like a survey monkey campaign or something like that for a, you know, a stretch of time during your, your year of doing your show. Um, but also, you know, if I look at, uh, shows that are hosted on like, like the speaker platform where I do do the show that I do every week, I get demographic breakouts of listeners that listen to my show on, on that platform because it's a login kind of user platform in community. Um, so, so you can get some of that data, now, I don't know how reflective that data is uh, as you look at other listening platforms, though. That's the, that's the only thing is that, you know, if you're trying to compare or apply speaker listening demographics to Apple's listening demographics, it's probably different. So, um, you know, I, I, I think you have to take, the, take it with a grain of salt. So probably a SurveyMonkey campaign would give you a, probably a much more broader view of the demographic breakdown of uh, who, who your audience is. And I also find Dave, that my audience will send stuff to me. As a matter of fact, I'm just kind of started a new, I wouldn't call it campaign, but I'm trying to get my audience a little more engaged and feed me the things that, that they like, because my, my mom said something uh, to me. You know, my moms are great because they, they give you feedback all the time. And, of course, your tier one listeners give you feedback all the time, but she had heard something from some other radio host that she had listened to said that, you know, our listeners now have an audience. And I thought, hmm, 
That's true because with social media, you know, our listeners all have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Spotify. And so they, in essence, even though they may not be podcasters, they have their own audience. So my challenge back to my audience was, is listen, you guys have your audience. There's stuff that you're passionate about that maybe Todd isn't passionate about. So why don't you email me? what you're passionate about or a link to something that's got you triggered or has got you excited or you want to share. And then I'll share that on the show so that the rest of the audience, there might be some of the people out there that say, Oh wow, look at that. And then they can influence their audience. And it's kind of be this self feeding beast that will help get ideas and information out there. And And I'm sure we've all been doing this as, you know, it, it's been a natural part of how we get feedback to the show anyway, but now I'm more actively saying, please, please, please send me what you're passionate about. Uh, email me that information so that we can, we can, you know, use that, uh, you know, the circles of influence thing by me putting it out and then, you know, expanding that yeah. chain. So, um, I think it was a pretty it's actually good smart, Todd. It's actually smart that you're, you're putting out content that could appeal to their community, which right? Pull, pull them into the show. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> you yeah, know, you're expanding, you're expanding your reach to doing so. And, uh, this goes back to what we were saying earlier in terms of the, uh, significant and rapid growth of podcast listening on behalf of the younger generation because of these, micro audiences, if you will, um, kids are doing podcasts that are just for their friends. Yep. And, uh, and, and this is uh, part of what I think you're talking about. Well, my, my son's YouTube channel, him and his friends do YouTube videos back and forth. And now that he's getting better at it, it's just like anything else. It's podcast. You got to do the grind. You got to put in the time. You got to get your skills honed for him. He's going to have to do a thousand videos to get his skills done. So now he's, you know, sharing with friends and family and, and of course I'm liking everything he does. So it's, yeah, of course. So uh, that, what will that lead into as he gets older? Will that be a podcast he does with his buddies or I hope so. We'll see. Yeah. Todd, I've, I've been wondering if, if we are going to see at some point uh, as this younger generation comes up where there, there's going to be what I, I would call a kind of more private community podcasts that would, uh, groups would get together and produce content, um, kind of closed, um, access content. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Are, are you seeing any indication that, that, that any part of the community is doing that? I know that there's these paid communities that have been bubbling around for a while, but. Well, wasn't that the original, that? wasn't that the original pur- purpose of Instagram stories and Snapchat and all that was these little short Correct. personalized stories. That's true. You know, That's true. that would be shared with their, their followers. But now of course, Spotify's right. on the out cause Kardashian's not using the app anymore, but, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, maybe she'll start a podcast next. Who knows? Um, yeah. actually I hope she does. Yeah. That would help yes. us a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, she can come over and do it on my platform. Yeah. So, so did, did we answer your question, Dave? Yeah, I think that was good. And um, to, to uh, one of the aspects of what you mentioned is uh, this other uh, interesting, I believe, uh, more focused and clarifying piece of information from the uh, Edison study, and that is uh, discovery. Uh, it seems like uh, right now, 
the primary way people are discovering podcasts is through word of mouth from friends or referrals from the podcast hosts with whom they already engage. How do you folks feel about that? Oh, this is this. I know. I know how Rob's going to respond. And uh, actually, Rob, why don't you respond for me? <laughs> it's core. It's the it's it, it's the basis of this whole medium. That's right. And it's also a big factor in uh, in why the podcast uh, market has grown the way it's grown too. Yeah, it I, hasn't grown like a hockey stick. It's grown because it's based on word of mouth sharing. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. and I I think it's just the way the show is, be, the way the shows are, because. And I don't know if it's going to change, okay? Because here's the thing. I'm not CBS. I'm not ABC. I don't have a platform where I can um, say debuting in three weeks is this new thing. And I run I run a bunch of pre-rolls for this thing. And, you know, and it's all hyped up. And I'm ready to tune in and watch that program. I don't have that megaphone. My megaphone is my listeners. My megaphone is my listeners saying, oh my God, you sure heard what Todd said on the show. You need to listen to this episode, you know? Mm-hmm. Or someone says, you, your opinion's changed on something. Well, why, what's, why for the change of heart while well, I listen to this podcast? I, you know, I, I really think that we're influencing the audiences to the point where it's coming up and people are like seeing a change in someone or maybe they get excited about a topic and they're like, where did you, where did you get this information? And I, I, I'll say it, I'll say it a hundred times. There's not a discovery program problem. I don't think there's a discovery problem. It, it, it's just the medium's different. Well, well that's, that's an interesting, st- that's an interesting point. Um, I find that there are, uh, there are a significant number of people, especially, Let's talk about people over 40, which uh, maybe we're not concerned about here in the podcast world, but you were saying earlier it'd be nice to see more growth there. But they are stumped in terms of how to find the the shows that they mm-hmm. are interested in in terms of searching for a particular product uh, it do- or service or topic. It doesn't seem to be an issue on the younger end. Um, and so I think that uh, the idea of it not being an issue – from a generational perspective, I think there are still issues from people trying to figure out how do you find these things? Yeah, it's overwhelming. Well, I think they're kind of, David, I think they're kind of overthinking it. And that's, that's part of, I think where the, where the disconnect happens. I, I think finding content has always been the same. Um, you know, you do a keyword search or you talk to a friend or you, um, you know, those, those basic principles of finding content online have have not really changed much but um, but podcasters have not helped themselves i agreed and agreed I, and, and i and i'll and i'll be you know i'll say this to the day i die um if you're not creating content on your own branded platform that it can be indexed by google and you can be you know there's got to be a, a home base central where people can be found we have a whole class, and I, I understand why, why we have a, a class of, listen, of creators like this. We have a class of creators that just want to put a show over and put it on SoundCloud, and they have a page over there. There's no metadata with it. It's a show name, description, maybe yeah. a sentence of data on what the episode's about. And you have 
this new Anchor app. Yeah, you can do a quick podcast, but there's no, no one's ever going to find that content in the sphere of looking yeah. for something around that topic. The only way that yeah. people are ever going to find it, my site at geeknewcentral.com, I spend a lot of money, a lot of money to have writers writing. I go to events and I go to CES and we did a hundred, my production costs just to do um, 150 videos for CES interviews and everything that we did. I probably spent $25,000 to do that. Now the average podcaster can't do this, but I, I spent that money and I, that content went up on my website because I know that those videos will get about 60 million views over the next two years and somebody's going to come into that video and they're going to say, holy crap, this guy's got a podcast too. And they're going to subscribe to the show. And I feed the beast with this extra content that people are discovering because they're searching about, you know, uh, you know, this remote control coming on the market or whatever. So it's, to me, it's, it's, I've understand the dynamics of doing the web and making sure that, I'm feeding my feeding my show and feeding you know keeping a steady flow of new mm -hmm. listeners coming in. Most podcasters will never do that work. You're right. Well, well, Todd, let's let's pull this topic apart in its pieces because I think it's something that uh, gets gets talked about in a very superficial way. Um, this whole topic of uh, podcasts not being discoverable. Um, what is what is the core message that's being driven based on that statement? It's, it's, uh, it's, we're trying to match up listeners with, uh, podcasts, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so what's the, what's the thing that that's getting in the way of that happening? Uh, is it, uh, is it not being able to find it in Google or is it not being able to un understand which app is used or is it understanding, um, um, some sort of level or bar of quality, right? Is it a quality discovery issue or is it just podcasters complaining because they're not growing their show fast enough? Well, they're, leads. they're trying to blame something or blame something that is an excuse for why their shows aren't growing fast yeah, enough. Yeah. So I think that there's all these issues that go around this topic and, and nobody really clarifies what they're talking about when, when they say podcasting has a discovery problem. Well, I, I think um, you should ask podcasters this question because podcasters listening to this show, have you ever discovered a podcast in a podcast app? If you have, how many of you have discovered in the podcast app? How many of you went actively looking for in a podcast app? I can tell you, I don't, I don't go looking for podcast in podcast apps. Now, maybe I'm, the weirdo in the group here, you know, maybe, maybe I'm complete, maybe I'm the old curmudgeon, you know, but I, I don't use the app to find, and me, I don't know. I, I want to know how people are finding, how to, how to, I think that's the answer to ask podcasters, how you find in yeah. podcasts. I mean, Todd, I think people hear about a podcast in some other source, some other media, some other, their friend or something like that. And then they go to the Apple podcast app and they search specifically for that I think name of that yes, show. Yes, yes, I agree. But I and don't then, think then they subscribe to it. Yep. That's the methodology, or they click to it off of a website. Yep. Um, based on a subscribe button that's yep. on there. Yep. I, and yeah. 
Well, there are there are apps. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe I don't know the name of it right in front of me. You probably do, but there is there are a couple of apps that allow you to do a search, a fairly comprehensive sure. search based on topic. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yep. But here's why are they why are they not more popular or have heavily used? Because when you get your phone from Apple, let's just talk about Apple. There's this beautiful thing. There's a podcast app that's loaded by default on there. They don't need another podcast app. The average Joe is going to use the, the, and this is what we see in the status numbers. Now, someone that becomes a super user, a super podcast listener, they're going to say the podcast iOS app sucks. Let me find another podcast iOS app. But for the general person that listen to two or three shows a week, it's 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 sufficient. It's sufficient. Yeah. Now, for the power user, they're going to need something a little more special, you know. Yeah. So that's why none of these apps, you know, they are in they're in single digits in percentage of utilization. Yeah. You know, so I, I saw someone announced a, a new app yeah. just the other yesterday, I think, a discovery app. And I'm like, okay, one of the, you know, do I need to get excited about this? No, because it's going to take them five years to get to 3%. You know, if they're lucky, <laughs> if they're well, doing everything right. Yeah. And, and Todd, it's, it, it's actually even more challenging than, than, than that too. I mean, I think people finding podcasts, um, is really being driven by awareness, I think, um, to some degree. And I think it would really help the space a lot. And, and I think it does go to the heart of, to some degree of this discovery issue that keeps coming up is, uh, if Apple did some advertising or if Apple, um, did a better job of letting their users know their, their Apple iPhone users know that there is a podcast app on their phone. And this is what the icon looks like. Um, I think a campaign like that would certainly be very helpful. Rob to Rob. Yeah. Apple is a company that is beholden to their stockholders and they have to make money. I agree with you. I so, agree with you, so <laughs> what is, what is the, what is the, okay. I, I'm, I'm Tim cook. I got the the person coming to me for marketing. We want to run a $5 million podcast app promotion campaign. I'm going to say, what's the return on that? Well, uh, goodwill. <laughs> Red line through that one. Okay. So what about uh, Apple music? Oh yeah. We're, we're showing growth. Yeah. Let's spend 25 million on promoting Apple music because I'm, I've got nine ninety nine a month subscribers are going to pay for the ROI of the ad. There's no ROI to Apple to promote podcasting. Why should they? Why would they? Well, well Todd, this, that, what you just <laughs> said op opens up a Pandora's box of topics. It does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why would Apple even have a podcast area given that situation? Well, right? he, here's we, Apple is, should, should be thankful. They know we help drive. We, as a podcasting space, help fuel the fire for iPods and the iPhone. We help that. So, yes, they did get some tangible benefit because every podcast on the planet talked about Apple iOS and never talked about Android. That's right. Never. Because that was, the, that was considered the <laughs> default place to get podcasts because right. you know what? 
it shares the name with the iPod, right? Right. Well, you know, so we, you know. we don't need to go into that history, but it's just, you know. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter, right. right. But, you know. It's, but it did. It did in the early right, days. Though. Right, right. You know. So, <laughs> you know, Steve Jobs, you know, uh, God rest his soul. You know, he was, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of amateurs here doing podcasting. You know, he called us a bunch of amateurs. But I was like, yes, thank you for calling us a bunch of amateurs. At least we got a mention during a keynote. <laughs> <laughs> and boom, all, all those people that were watching the keynote went out and got that podcast app because they wanted access to those amateurs. That's right. <laughs> Amateur hour. So I want to uh, I want to throw in one one final thing here before my pa- my energy my battery runs out, uh, and that is you know to this point of discovery, uh, you know those folks on traditional radio who, uh, who who want to expand their podcast audiences, they do have that megaphone. Yeah, they do have that yeah. transmitter that's reaching millions. Yet we're not seeing significant growth <laughs> for radio traditional radio podcasts. Okay, uh, it's it's a strange phenomenon. Dave, do you have a suit? Do you wear to meetings? Yes. Okay. You want me to put it on? No, but in in radio, the suits are the problem. The suits don't listen. Okay. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I know exactly where you're going with this. They don't yeah. listen. And I don't it, think that has anything to do with it. I think it has to do. They're a bunch. They're arrogant. They're arrogant and think oh. podcasting. Podcasting is a side high. But we're radio. We're king. Yes, you are right now. But the <laughs> clock is ticking, baby. And you know, I don't know when it's going to count down to zero. It's probably going to be twenty years. But yeah. but let's be frank. I have I do weekly calls with radio people, and. I talked to him blue in my face about here are the four or five steps you should do with the content that you're going to create for your podcast, for your radio station. And they nine out of 10 times, they don't listen. The silence. (laughs) (laughs) That's 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 the whole point. That's the whole point. It's silence. There are, there are there are yeah. some other uh, details about this. For it, example, it, you've got you've got a lot of talented people it, in radio. Oh yeah, fantastic! Oh totally. And oh, uh, it requires yeah. you know it requires as you guys know it requires a great deal of effort to come up with something original. But, but as they, a podcast, but they and, don't. And, and, but they they don't have to come up with anything original if they are a morning jock, and they have the band that's going to be on Friday that comes in the studio or if they have the coach or if they're talking to those little 10 minute segments that what we really like about radio when they have someone on that is really interesting, that stuff is worth its weight in gold. And if they would just cut those segments and put those up and then promote them, promote them with their big megaphone, radio would rule the roost in podcasting. It's not enough of that. You're right. They would rock it. But they also feel like they need to do original content, <laughs> yeah. which is yeah. not available on air. Original's hard. Yeah. yeah. Original's hard. Yeah. But I don't disagree with you. I think, Dave, that's they, they need to do that. Yeah. So you've got this challenge from traditional radio, which is not happening as quickly as everybody had hoped. 
Um, and uh, as as you know, Rob, uh, maybe you know it as well too, Todd. It's just a matter of uh, complacency, um, perhaps because of an ego issue or other problems that the industry is facing. I'm talking about radio. Uh, it's got its own financial issues, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Almighty dollar, yes. So they're going to here's, – here's the thing. I'm confident that radio will wake up. They'll have to wake up. And when they do, watch out. Watch out. They're going to use all – they've got brilliant people, brilliant people that are on air. You know, so – you just watch out when they when they when they finally say let's let's go and and just watch out it it's going to be you know it's going to be it's going to be a it's going to be fun to watch i really am. Yeah, it's going to be exciting so it's going to be a there. content focus it's going to be a content focus not a radio focus right and that's the key differential here yeah but when they come and they yeah sorry it can't be an issue of advertising because they already have the relationships right well, radio is yep. local, so unless you're syndicated, most of the advertising is of uh, Tony's, you know, Tony's car wash or the, you know, the Ford dealership or, you know, so radio in that respect has got is the same challenge as we do in the podcasting space. They're going national. So that local radio, you know, they're going to have advertising issues too. Because the local guys go, why should I advertise? on your podcast you're being listened in jersey and i'm in new york or you know i, I don't know that's a bad analogy it's called, but it's called dynamic ad insertion todd well that's targeting. that's true yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot well, of region regional and, and there are local advertisers uh who are large you know mm -hmm. large stores or yep. large businesses that could benefit from sure. from the audiences or or perhaps expanding and uh, expanding the reach that they currently are getting. I know stations that uh, that are doing this uh, already, and that is they, they provide an option for advertisers to expand their current advertising campaign on air with, with mentions in a podcast. Um, and so they are taking advantage of that kind of pricing. Yeah. And it, they will actually help bring the, the micro campaigns to the space because you know, and it's really going to be micro campaigns. So if they're starting to, if they're doing a podcast and they have that car dealership that comes in and they want it targeted on a, you know, a, a region or part of a state, then, you know, that ad spend is going to be, well, that de dealer is going to be very happy because that ad spend is going to be very low. They're not going to cost a lot of money to do that campaign. So the challenge will be right. is you're going to literally need thousands of those small small uh, companies spending a hundred bucks here, 500 there um, all the way across the country uh, in the world to, to monetize this out where every episode is, you know, got 82 different ads in it. That's going to pay the podcast or what it would if you have one national advertiser. So just think Google AdWords, Google AdSense. Well, I understand that, but, I, I don't know if you've checked your Google AdWords payments recently. I, I've checked mine and it's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it won't get that low, but it's. Uh, and I think that's that's a little bit of an analogy of the opportunity in the short run anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But, you know, I think radio's got. Well, I, from a broadcast standpoint, those transmitters are expensive. And uh, compliance is expensive. 
when they go digital and all that stuff is gone. Well, when you have the two biggest companies in the business, Cumulus and iHeart, facing bankruptcy um, and trying to uh, shuffle off billions of dollars in, in, in debt, um, you know, when iHeart gets through this current issue of, uh, of their uh, bankruptcy, they'll drop from a $20 billion debt load to $5 billion. Now, that may seem like a lot, and it is, but for a company like that that generates a lot of cash flow, that makes them a lot more powerful and capable of, of uh, creating some, some te technological advances from these kinds of discussions that I think you're going to see you're going to see them becoming much more organized in terms of generating revenue on a podcast they look for more platforms to get money don't you feel pretty good about all your credit card processing fees and stuff that's going to be used to help prop up the radio business because r really the banks are just uh you know they're they're saying tough you, you got to write this off and uh so uh because in the restructuring deal if you want any money you know, you're going to have to take 10 cents on the dollar. And the uh, original, the original investors in iHeart are going to end up with 1%, oh my 1% of the company. That's crazy. It's just, you yeah. think about, you think about the billions that were spent, you know, well, like I said, our credit card processing fees will take care of those banks. That's be part of their write-off for the year, but we'll, we'll make it up in our credit card. I'm being very facetious here. So. But I do think that uh, Dave, your point is 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 good from the standpoint of um, you know once iHeart comes out of this, uh, they're going to be a, a much stronger company, and they are certainly making some significant moves in the podcasting side. That they've got Chris Peterson over there, who's who's working hard to try and um, transition that company into becoming uh, more of a podcasting company. So. I think they're making some good good moves and some good changes, and I'm I'm optimistic that uh, those guys will be able to be a and continue to be a significant player in the podcasting space. Well, I mean, they, they're not they, a they're not a significant player, Rob. Please. Well, they're well from the things that I'm <laughs> seeing, they're they're actually doing doing a lot better than I think uh, we realize. Um, until until they've got they, about six hundred thousand or or six hundred shows. Okay. Um, out there, six hundred. Um, mm. Well, Todd, that's more than NPR, right? Okay, They're so a leader in all the right. industry. Well, when I think about okay, so <laughs> let me let me re rephrase this. Okay, so they have their internal shows, but they're yeah. not helping regular podcasters, you know, in any significant way. They have a very well, very small team over there, and they're not taking on too many shows. Okay, fair enough. I, no, there it makes logic, logical. They can improve on. Yeah. Oh, it's if they, logical that they're going to be fe featuring their own people. Well, of course, I, I understand that. But at the same time, if they want to be a, well, I don't know. I I don't use the iHeart app, so I I have no idea what they even have for content. So, um, I don't listen to radio. Well. We um, we've been feeding him podcasts for years. Well, I know, but you know, the, I know you that, guys, uh, Lipson is too. Yeah, but the, the, they've ignored the rest of the space. So it's you know, it's the same dilemma that uh, some other folks had here recently too. So yeah, um, so we'll see. And, and, and our listeners, our podcasters, going to promote iHeart? No, I, I do. I ever? I would never talk about iHeart on my show. Until, but I guess what yeah. I'm talking about now, I'm talking about Spotify now because my podcast is going to be on Spotify. But I didn't talk about Spotify before. 
So it's a chicken and egg thing. You, you got to, if you don't. Well, let's uh, talk about Spotify. Let's talk about Spotify. You just spent 10 minutes talking about iHeart. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> well, on my, on my tech show. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about Spotify. Todd, what do you think is going on over there? What's your what's your thought? I mean, I'm 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 fully embroiled. I kind of feel like I'm a Spotify employee now. So, um, <laughs> we'll see as as shows get added. You know, that process yeah. is painful. Still, I mean, I I spend a lot of time on Spotify stuff these days, uh, and it's and it's actually it's good and bad at the same time. It's there. They're shifting too much work over onto the hosting platform. Well, I think. we automated pretty much all that. So I just basically yeah. get a spreadsheet I have to send over to them. Yeah. Well, it's the same, same situation. I know Rob has got the beta on the, on the, the API submission process. Okay. Okay. So. Really? Well, I don't know. I have to ask Rob. I thought he did. So well, anyway, yeah, I'm um, waiting for the API stuff too. And I know. But, well, we both are. So yeah. it's, but it, but until that happens, this is a this is a labor intensive. Uh, this is a labor of love, Todd. Yeah, it, it is. is. It's true. And you know, and you know, trying to find shows on Spotify is really hard. You know. There you go. It's a discovery. It's you know, really that's, hard. You know. Really, really hard. Well, they don't have much of a feature area. They only feature, I mean, going back to my all my work I did at Microsoft on Zoom, um, they, their, their featuring of podcasts is, uh, there's a lot to be desired uh, over there right now. Um, I don't know if they just have this opinion that people don't discover podcasts that way and they're not going to put the emphasis there. Well, just, but they do have pages that are on the web. Right. Um, you can share on mobile. Of course. Um, but you got to find so, it first. Yes, you do. And I've been trying to do that with the many of the shows that I'm getting on there. Um, trying to share them on social and push them out and get people linking to these pages on Spotify. So I, granted you can't play the content on those web pages. You have to it drives you back to their app, their client app. I could I like for example, I couldn't find the new media show on on the web, but I could but find it, it in the app. Yes. So I could search for it in the app, but I couldn't search for it on the web. So I don't know where the disconnect is. I I submitted that a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you did as well. Yeah, I did. So I wonder which one got okay. picked up. I have no idea. Which feed well, did I you use? Well, I submitted your feed. I submitted your feed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah that's, well, we should have talked about that. That's okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Well. <laughs> no worries. Well, no worries. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question on that, Art. Are you doing unique feeds for them? Yes. Okay. Well, I can <clears throat> I can get that changed out. All right. So we'll talk about that after the show. But yeah, it's okay. it's it's <laughs> it's it's largely a uh, yeah. It's part of that We're labor 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 of love. <laughs> yeah, because we are actually um, sending over to them a Spotify specific feed. Right. So, uh, and there's a couple of reasons for that yeah, and it's like, in the contract. <laughs> yes. And I'm, I didn't want to go there, but yes. Yes. So just so you guys understand, there are well, some things we can't talk about on the show. <laughs> All right. So. Well, at, at any kind of granular detail. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
but it's a yeah it's a it's a so i don't know we'll see you know rob walsh is complaining 17 percent of his shows have five percent of their traffic coming from spotify so no, i thought it was 13 percent of his shows okay th- well was the number. so what about the other 87 percent they ain't in there yet no he says of the shows submitted to Spotify from Libsyn, 13% are getting 5% of their traffic. So the other oh. 87% that are in there, what type of traffic are they getting? You know, here's my, here's I my. I don't know. I thought he meant that only 13% of his entire catalog was in. Mm, I didn't read it Spotify. that way. We'll have to ask some for some clarification. But I have a lot of people going bat beat crazy. About being over in Spotify, and I'm wondering, okay, what is this really going to do? I don't know, Todd. We'll find out. I don't know. what There's, Dave, what do you think about Spotify and podcasting? I think it's too early. I think, um, as you both have <laughs> sort of alluded to, I mean, it's still got a ways to go in terms for it to be uh, easily identified, discovered, and and consumed there i think it's a good idea uh they may have a line extension problem meaning uh they may be trying to do too much (laughs) is the eternal question of the combination of music and podcasts does it work (laughs) exactly i I think this is is an experiment that uh, we'll all be interested to see how it ends up but Uh i think for the time being here they still have a long road to figure that out i'll be honest i hope it does I hope they figure well, it out. Too. I do too. You know, because you know, I don't care where they listen, long as they listen. Well, right. it's another um, significant pl- presence uh, of a platform on Android, right? Mm-hmm. So you think about that right there until Google gets their stuff together. Um, Any anything new on that, Rob? Um, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Rob's under NDA. <laughs> oh, he's got that look. Mm. He's got that. Do I? Like, yeah, like, I don't want to get sued. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, he's turning red. You can yes. even see it online. <laughs> That's because you have to be laughing too hard. I can't, uh-huh. I can't not get red. So anyway, um, yeah. So I mean, I. I think something's going to happen over there, but we'll see. I, I, I have no idea when, how, where, or anything. So, so, so I, I'm optimistic. So a little different topic on, uh, we attended the rad meeting. I think you did too, Rob, uh, earlier in the week. And then, uh, we had some questions and we emailed the NPR team and, uh, had a, a call with a couple of their key people on Friday about rad and uh, my walk away from that 30-minute call on RAD was there's a lot of eggs being put in one basket hoping that Apple and Google will come to play. And that they will participate in RAD. I think there's a lot of apprehension what happens if they don't. Um, and I won't reveal what was said in the public phone call 
because there was some commentary made by the Google team. I don't know if we can even, I probably shouldn't say, but my, you know, my, my emphasis to them was that in a nutshell, I shared our experience with getting Android app developers to implement one click subscribe on Android and what it took to get that to happen and how we had to essentially hand feed the code and everything to them to make it easy. And the step-by-step process we went through there to make that happen. So then now we've got 15 or 16 apps that did it. The implementation of RAD on the client side for the apps that are out there, both iOS and Android, is a much bigger animal from an implementation standpoint. The ultimate uh, question, though, that I think that's going to have to be resolved is what incentive does a app, the podcast app, have to being um, have the RAD information? Why? What? What incentive? And and I don't know if there is an incentive besides if one or two add it and then they say, well, because of peer pressure, we have to add RAD or we're maybe podcasters aren't going to talk about it. So I'm I encourage NPR. Let's get these client discussions going. We need to have all these app developers as part of this process so that they can take ownership and part of this and provide feedback um, as early as possible to help move the ball. Because if Google and Apple doesn't play, the RAD implementation will be limited to 10 or 11%. So, um, you know. Well, they're already on this group. So, I mean, it's... They're getting all the same information. I know. I mean, all these guys well, I, are. I, but the cl- the app clients are not. Yes, the, that's right. The iHearts, right. Correct. They are the ones that are missing from the table. That's right. Question. They are and mis- I'm not sure why that's happened that way, I guess. Well, that was part of my call Friday to emphasize we need to, we need to get those folks engaged. We need to make sure they're part of this conversation as well. Because um, they're the ones that have to do, do the bulk of the work here. That's right. So... Yeah. And you're right. So I don't, Dave, are you familiar with the RAD initiative? Uh, no, I'm not. So you be, want to briefly tell me. Yeah. So essentially NPR has come up with a, uh, and, and they're giving it to the space. So they don't, they're not, they, they're being very clear. They don't want to own this, but they came up with a, a way you basically embed a, um, a so media URL in the ID three yeah. tag so that when, the listener hits play, it sends a signal via a anonymized token to the, each service's RAD server saying this, this episode is now playing. And when they hit stop, they say they send another signal back and say this episode is now stopped. And that token is uh, because we're, we're coming up on GPDR stuff with the European Union is going to have to be tokenized. It can't be raw IPs because it's just it, the EU has really caused some heartache here. Um, we're, everything's going to have to be tokenized. And uh, so to be able to limit the um, privacy concerns and all that stuff too. So the spec is still being hashed through, but that's essentially the... So what they want is the client side to basically say, hey, he's playing the podcast and clients say, oh, he stopped or he shuffled or uh, never started. And it basically gives the same information Apple is giving in its kind of rudimentary way now with the stats that they have. But they want it 
they really want the, I mean, stop, play, stop, play, stop, play data. Yeah, it's so it's the added layer on top of the server side data mm-hmm. that we're currently getting. Uh, Client side, just around user interactivity with the with the MP3 file at the player player end of the spectrum. Just kind of summarize it. How long do you think this is going to take to become effective? Well, uh, it's all percentages of apps that implement it. So I know how long it took us to really get Android a uh, subscriber on Android going it could take a couple of years to get full implementation across the space. You know, they're going to, they're going to, you know, first of all, they got to get the spec completely dialed down and then they're probably going to have to, you know, I'm encouraged them to come up with an SDK for both Android and iOS so that that library is built so that the app developer only has to add a few hooks and they can plug this SDK into their app. So, that an SDK is going to have to be built. So, you know, we're probably six, seven, eight, nine months from even having, I would assume something that can, the client side folks can even use to implement something. It may be faster than that. I, I don't know. But if we, if, if this is successful, there'll be no, no more discussion about podcasts listening and how much they listen to this will solve it all. But, um, well, it'll solve it probably 95%. 95%. There's yeah. going to be players that are, are never going to adopt this. Um, and it's just too much work. And we well, 95 al- is amazing. Right. And we also brought up the piece that they haven't thought about, which is easier, actually can be done e- almost immediately, is on the web player side. The web player side, this could be implemented very, very quick by all the players. And um, so we're going to help uh, NPR with the trying to get a group of uh, folks together that will talk this part through in order to, uh, to come with a spec for web players. And again, this is a, you know, it's a big privacy thing. We're going to have to make sure we're, we're not invading. People are very sensitive to this now. We're not invading and we're not aligning this person, you know, this person's uh, information to their buying habits. You know, that we have to be very, very careful about this. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. Well, that's a massive undertaking. And for you to think that 95% would be covered if, in two years. If, if Google and Apple and iHeart and Spotify and if Pandora comes to the market and you know, that's, <laughs> a lot of ifs. <laughs> you know, that's all those folks have to play. Wow. And, yeah. you know, so you deal with, you know, first of all, we're, and, yeah, right, everyone. So we're dealing politics. with the politics of this, you know, everyone's got their rice bowl, right? So if you can get everyone to agree to the spec and that's 90% of the battle, then implementation is probably relatively easy. Then you just, you know, you, you campaign hard to get the app developers to add it, but there's no, there's no benefit for the app developers except for goodwill. Yeah, and that yep. and and there's not a lot of benefit for Apple to do it either because they're kind of already building this yeah, they, capability into right. their platform right now. They they launched it a few months ago. Right. So, so but the way I yeah. looked at it, if it, Apple doesn't do it, then we're still at ninety five percent because I've got the Google data anyway, and I've got I mean the Apple data anyway. And if Google plays yep. with whether they come to market, then it'll close the it'll close the loop. We'll get close. I already have a good story. You know, Dave, we've already had stories to tell media buyers for years. And it's just like everyone seems to have thought, you know, I I knew what the data was going to show from Apple, you know, and it just, 
I don't know. Uh, me, they need to see it in black and white. You yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. Though it did kind of land with a thud, though. It didn't really well, shake anybody up. What it did know. is it <laughs> what thud did happen. It was like there's this reality that has set in that download is still king. That's true. Expectations, I think, uh, drove that positive uh, pre-launch idea of what it would be, and uh, they didn't tell us enough about it before it launched. Well, Apple doesn't. Feel- Apple's very reserved in any messaging they do, so it's very controlled. <laughs> That's one thing they yeah. do very well over there. Tell that to the iPhone 10 folks. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Though, though they did push out an update, from what I heard, uh, to, was it, uh, podcast improvements can come to iOS 10.3. Mm. Or is that, oh, no, that's old. That's old. That's old we're, we're up that's to 11. Yeah, we're up to They're 11. They're up to 12 now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw an article here, and it just, it, it, it popped up. But, yeah, it's from March 28th. Yeah, that's old information. Sorry yeah. about that, guys. Yeah. So we're we're fast approaching an hour and a half. So we're we're here close to the end of the show, folks. And Dave, we appreciate your battery holding out to the end. Um, but uh, gonna give. <laughs> so yeah. you know, we went over a lot of stuff today here, folks. And I we want to hear your feedback. We've had two episodes in a row that have have been powerhouse shows. So I think uh, we're delivering for you. So we want to hear from you. Who do you want us to have on? Who's the next person that from in space that we need to? <clears throat> to uh, pry information out of or, or, or at least persuade information out of. And, uh, it's a pleasure to be pried. <laughs> but uh, I think more importantly, Dave, where can they find you and information about uh, what you guys do? Well, we have a great website, uh, bridgeratings.com. And uh, if there's any questions uh, that you get from those uh, studies, uh, there are some things regarding podcasting. <clears throat> Excuse me, podcasting. Uh, recent studies we've done about podcasting revenue growth and consumption. You can uh, always reach me at my email address, which is dvd at bridgeratings.com. And thank you for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. DVD. I love that. That's how, perfect. DVD at Bridge Ratings. Awesome. Rob, any final thoughts? No, just uh, just excited for the next week and, and see what's uh, what's up next. This is a... This podcasting space is turning out to be quite a a a, a, a drama. Drama, so, yes. Why drama? Well, not a comedy. It, if you think about it, you know, over the last uh, last couple of episodes here, we've had some pretty hot topics. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on in this medium right now. Yeah. So we do have some announcements though for NAB. Yeah. What's what's going? What's happening at NAB with us? Well, we're all going to be on a um, in a live streaming panel with the the NAB Show Live production. So Todd, myself, and Rob Walsh are going to be on an hour long video on the homepage of the NAB Show, talking about um, all aspects of podcasting. So we're going to be featured as a hot topic at the NAB this year. Yeah. So let let me. I think this is important because we're going to want all of you to uh to get the word out we're going to want to use the power here of this uh of this team do we have the exact times that we're going to be on 4 p.m uh wednesday the 11th so 4 p.m wednesday of april. of april so hey add this to your calendar right now april 11th 4 p.m that's 
Pacific Standard Time. At uh, nabshow.new. I don't know if it's com or org. And uh, just Google NAB it's Show. Yeah. But uh, April 11th at 4 p.m. for an hour. And we're going to want to want to promote the heck out of this as a good week to get exposure for podcasting and what's going on in the podcasting space. And this will be not a elevator pitch. It'll be truly talking about podcasting and uh, each of us will be leaving our respective uh, company names at the door when we do this. So, uh, we are, uh, well, we, we, you know, we're, we're not going to be there. <laughs> I don't think so. We're not going to be there pitching, you know? No, no, that's true. It's not going to be a pitch session. No, right. no pitching going on, but yeah. But, uh, the other thing that's that's new this year too at the NAB with podcasting is that uh, I, I I learned this over the last couple of weeks here, but um, uh, the NAB live or, or the NAB show live folks have what they're calling a uh, podcast studio that's going to be adjacent to their live streaming uh, studio that they have at the event. Uh, so they're going to be doing, um, um, I guess, podcasting from from the show floor. As part of part of the NAB this year, so it's going to be interesting. I'm 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 asking for details on this because they say that, that they're going to be having experts and content creators and things like that be involved in that uh, to some degree, and I'm just not sure what that model is. But I'll I'll find out about it here probably over the next week, and I'll share it on the show next week. And the nine or ten vendors that are part of the podcast pavilion are. You know, we're in South Hall Upper and we're about a quarter of the way back. And we'll actually, uh, there's a little podcast pavilion area as well. I don't know exactly what's going on in there. Um, haven't quite got the clear schedule what's happening there. But stop in and, uh, and see us if you're going to be in Vegas for the uh, NAB show. Yeah, I look forward yeah. to seeing you guys live. Yeah. Instead of through this device. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone, uh, thanks for being here on the show. You can reach me, Todd at blueberry.com or follow me at geek news on Twitter. Rob. I can be found on Twitter as well at Rob Greenlee. That's with two E's on the end. And, um, I have a website, robgreenlee.com, And then obviously Vox nest is the company I'm working at right now. And I do another show every Wednesday at 3 PM Pacific called the Spreaker live show at SpreakerLiveShow.com. Everyone, thanks for being here, and we'll see you next week on the new media show. Everyone, take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.